Right where you stand this morning, I invite you to have a conversation with Jesus. He made you so he knows everything about you. Regardless of the depth or the authenticity of your relationship with him, he loves to hear your voice. So what do you have to say this morning to God? Thank you, God, for the privilege of this time of worship. Thank you for the instruments and the voices and especially the message of what we have been singing. It has been for your glory and your honor. It's been a celebration of you, but it has also been a challenge to us. How much do we believe it? How much do we trust your truth as we walk the journey of life? Now, please, would you speak into each of our lives in these next moments? Because you alone know what each of us is going to face in these next days and weeks. Why don't you ask him to touch you right at the point of what your need is today, my friends? And as we ask you to touch us, God, we know that you love us more than we love ourselves. You understand us more than we understand ourselves. That's why we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I invite you to be seated, and I thank you, worship leaders, for great worship today. That's brought us into an encounter with God. And I want to dismiss uh, the children who are with us, the little ones up through grade four. We have some wonderful adults who are ready to help you uh, grow in your relationship with Jesus. Well, I'm delighted to tell you that after weeks of uh, prayer and thought, I do have a theme verse to bring to you today. For the last several years, about this time of the year, I've asked God for a miracle, that he would take one or two verses of his word, the Bible, and so deeply touch my life with them that I would bring them to you, and then I would watch how God would use them to touch your lives in the weeks and the months that come. This last year, our verse, you may remember, and you'll see it on the screen, and I invite you to say it with me, please. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's the reality of the world that we live in, isn't it? This spiritual battle that is raging and that Jesus has come and made it possible for us in our relationship with him to live abundantly even though we live in an evil-filled world. But also recognizing that the choices that you and I make, they form, may I call it a canopy, over our children and our grandchildren. So the second verse, would you say it with me? Now choose life so that you and your children may live, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. May I tell you that second verse kind of came alive in a fresh new way to me yesterday as my wife and I were Skyping with our daughter and David and the grandchildren who are in France, as you know, on their way to Africa. And the thought struck me, there would be very little reason for them to be in Africa had it not been for the fact that Dawn and I made a choice 25 years ago or so to go, and my daughter was raised on the mission field at least for a few years. That choice has affected her heart so that she was open and ready to hear a call of God for her to take her children and do as we have done. Take a look at your family. Your children are following in your footsteps and the choices that you've made. 
You've seen a picture the last couple of weeks that Gene Groff has helped me to prepare. Uh, the world that you and I live in, uh, described by the landscape that you're looking at, very practical and real, and the world that you cannot normally see, taste, or touch, or even hear, but also a very real world, the world of God, His angels. And He's reaching constantly to us. And in that interface is where God wants to do great things in your life and mine, but it calls, doesn't it, for a step of faith and trust. And that's why the verse this year. You ready? You probably memorized it when you were a child. Say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Now you'll notice that there's not a picture that goes with this. Gene and I have been looking at pictures for two weeks and we haven't found one yet, so we decided we'll ask you. Send us the pictures that you think fits well with that verse and maybe you'll send us the picture that we'll use for the rest of this year. As you see, it's found in the book of Proverbs, right in the middle of your Bible. Could I invite you to turn there with me, please? Proverbs chapter 1. If you didn't happen to bring a Bible, there's one under the chair in front of you. There's something special that happens when your eyes look at the Word of God. Proverbs, as you know, is unlike any other book in the Bible. It's not a story, but it's wisdom sayings, verse after verse after verse, that now, almost 3,000 years later, are still very powerful and very practical in living life. Look at how the first verse in the first chapter starts. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. That's who wrote most of the Proverbs, this man named Solomon. I have some notes for you, as always, that I've prepared right in the middle of your worship folder. I urge you to take a look at them. I, I pointed out four things about Solomon. Have you considered he was, like many in the Bible, a son of promise? In other words, God spoke about him before he was even born. I, I see that in 2 Samuel, as you can see, in, in chapter 7, where King David was reflecting on the fact that he lived in a palace of cedar, but the ark of God was in a tent. He says to Nathan, this isn't right. I need to build a magnificent palace for God. Nathan said, well, that's a pretty good idea. But God sent words to Nathan, it is a good idea, but not for him to build and it says that the, the Lord says, when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, David, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. And he is the one who will build a house for my name, a son of promise. He's also a son of repentance. A little while later after that magnificent encounter between God and David, David's heart drifted. On a spring evening, he noticed a beautiful young woman bathing and lusted after her and took her, even though she was another man's wife. And adultery took place, and she became pregnant. He was shamed. So he called for her husband, who was a soldier in his army, to come home from the front line and give a report of how the battle was going, and then urged him to go home and be with your wife. Remember, he went home, but because his fellow soldiers were sleeping on the battlefield, he slept on the ground at the doorway to his home. David sent him back and had him murdered, put him in the hottest part of the battle and pulled back and leave him alone. Then he took his wife Bathsheba to be his own wife, tried to cover it up for more than a year. The child was born. And Nathan the prophet came back to him and said, You've sinned, David, and you know it. 
and David repented, that child died. Remember a few weeks ago I told you that the stories in the Old Testament point forward to the coming of Jesus and what he accomplished. Among other things, what he accomplished is the power of repentance and forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation. As David cried out in repentance, God extended forgiveness to him and restored their relationship, and another son was born to David and Bathsheba. May I call him a son of repentance, Solomon. Heir to the throne, and toward the end of his life, David challenged him in 1 Chronicles 28 to chapter 9. David, uh, Solomon, remember, the Lord watches carefully, especially the motives of your heart that are behind the decisions and the choices that you make. And then he may have been the greatest of all the kings. Because you remember something very unusual happened in his life. As the mantle had been passed, he went to worship. And as he sacrificed and worshiped before God, a most unusual thing happened. He sensed that God was appearing to him and saying, Young King Solomon, ask me for whatever you want, and it'll be yours. What would you have done? Young Solomon said, oh God, I'm, I'm in over my head. <laughs> I need more than anything else. I need wisdom to lead this people over whom I am now king. And God's response, because you did not ask for wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you wisdom and so much more. So it's out of that God-given wisdom that the Proverbs come. So would you look with me there at the second verse? In fact, this is how they do it sometimes in other countries. Would you read with me out loud verse 2 through verse 7 in whatever translation you have? You ready? For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And do you see how the next verse begins? Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Have you ever noticed that the first seven chapters of Proverbs all begin that same way? Look at chapter 2. My son, if you accept my words. Chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Chapter 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Chapter 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Chapter 6, my son, if you have put up security for your neighbor. Chapter 7, my son, keep my words. What's the message? <laughs> Solomon is taking very seriously this privilege of being a dad with sons and the challenge of passing on to those sons that which is of great value, wisdom. Wisdom that can only come from God. But not only his biological sons, but all of those young men under his influence. So I ask you, my brothers, men in this room, listening to my voice, watching us on the internet, how seriously do we take the influence that we have over the young men who are following behind us, who will someday be husbands and dads and granddads of their own? So chapter 3. 
Solomon writes, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will, have, you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. There's so much there. We're going to take verse 5 today and verse 6 next week, okay? So let's start with the first word, trust. What does it mean? May I suggest to you, and there's some notes, as you know, in the very center of your worship folder, and I hope you brought a pencil to write with. May I suggest to you belief and faith and trust while they are very similar, are not all the same thing. Belief, may I suggest, begins in the mind as you wrestle with something that you see or hear and you wrestle with, is it true? Can I believe it? Then it moves to your heart and and, and you embrace it and, and you begin to own it into your life. Faith. Do you see there the scripture? Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then it moves to your will. I'm going to step out. I'm going to take action on this. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust my life to its truth. I need a helper. Trey, could you come up here and help me please? Yeah. What does trust look like? Right on up here. <laughs> this is Trayton. Okay? Everybody say, hi, Trayton. Okay, now let's turn right over here and look at your parents, okay? Let's move forward just a little bit more. Do you trust me, Trayton? Do you believe that I care a lot about you? And do you trust me that if I was to back up just a little bit and tell you, just fall back, I would catch you? Oh, maybe, but we've never done that before. Think about this. Every single day, you and I live out trust in real life. We go to bed at night and go to sleep trusting our heart is going to keep beating. Our lungs are going to keep breathing, right? Trust is faith in action. Okay, here we go. Lean back just a little bit. Good, good, good. Let's do that again. Lean back a little more. Come on, I got you. Good. Let's do that again. A little more. Come on, I'm here. You can trust me. Oh. Now, if his daddy Alex was up here, he would not have looked back. Now, catch this. Trust grows through experience. Do you agree with that? That's why I started here, and then I kept moving back. And each time that I would catch him, trust grows with experience. Thank you. If you find yourself struggling with trusting God, could it be that you haven't had very many opportunities in your lifetime where you have exercised trust in Him? Trust grows through experience. If you're married in this room, you understand that. If you grew up in a family, you understand that. Trust is both strong and fragile. Do you agree? Trust gives you that courage to stand boldly. But every divorce that has ever happened understands that trust can be fragile, and once trust is broken, it's very hard to rebuild it again. 
right? Trust. So trust in the Lord, Solomon says. How do we do that? You see in your notes I've given you about five or six specific ways to do that. First, we trust in God's self-proclaimed attributes. The things that God says about himself. The scriptures tell us that he says, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. What's he saying there? He's eternal. He was before there was anything. He'll be after there's nothing. He is the origin of all things. He is unique. There is no other God. He says, it is I who made the earth. I created mankind in my image. What's he saying? I am the creator of all. I am the sustainer of all. You can trust me. He says, when he appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love is faithfulness. What's he saying? I'm a loving God. I'm a gracious God. I'm a merciful God. I'm a faithful God. You can trust me. Now, may I urge you uh, this evening, uh, sometime this week, start listing. You're going to need another piece of paper. What are other scriptures that you can think of where God made a statement about himself and his character, his nature, his attributes, and he's saying to you, trust me, this is who I am. What would be another couple of characteristics of God that he, he has proclaimed to you and me that, that help you trust him? Anybody? He's our provider. Thank you. He's our healer. Thank you. Trust in the Lord. What's another way? Trust in his truth. He says to the prophet Isaiah, I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Jesus said, follow me and you won't walk in darkness. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? Because you and I live in a world where constantly we are being told, no, 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 no. Uh, there's all, all kinds of truth. So, who decides when life actually begins? And when the doctor says to the woman, uh, you're pregnant, but you might not like the results, how about if we try it again and we'll just clean that out of there? It, it, it's not a life after all. When does life begin? Conception. Why? Because God did that, and God says so. So we live in a world that says uh, marriage is whatever you want it to be. God defines marriage. One man, one woman for a lifetime. Amen? So what happens when God's truth and the truth of the world in which you live come in conflict with each other? Where do you go with that? Trust in the Lord and his truth. Trust. Trust in his guidance. God says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you and who directs you in the way you should go. Can you trust him? You see, it calls us to ask the question, hmm, what is my life purpose? Who defines it, me or him? What, what are my great core values? Does he define that or do I? Trust in his deliverance. God says, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. 
There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. True or there are many roads that lead to God. Just pick one you like. Trust his promises. Can you trust his promises? Yes, because you can trust him. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Can you trust it? Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive them away. So the next time you feel as though you've disappointed God, can you trust him that he's not going to push you away? Yes. I got another one. This is where you need your pencil. Trust his purposes says through Isaiah, I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. What I have planned, that I will do. Can you trust him to accomplish his plans and his purposes in our world and include you in them? Yes. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Yahweh, Jehovah. I've listed for you there in your notes, as you can see, uh, several of the names of God. Uh, you know that, that through the scriptures, there are these accounts where God proclaims a name for himself in a particular situation. There are other times when a person gives a name to God. I am God Almighty. Abraham, I know you're an old man and you're married to an old woman and you have no children, but I am all-sufficient. You're going to have a son together. Hagar is out with her son Ishmael. They're in the desert. They've run out of water. She's dying. The angel of the Lord appears to her. Oh, God, you see me. You are the God who sees me. You are Elroy, the God who sees me. So what are some other names of God that I don't have listed there that, that are special to you? Can you give me two or three? Names of God that you know of in the scriptures that are special to you that I don't have listed in your notes. Anybody? Abba. Emmanuel. Jehovah Nisi. Elohim. Thank you. You see, there are so many. So could I ask you to take the notes and do some digging this week? But then wrestle with this question. What names of God have become really personal in your life experience? Trust in the Lord. It's not just some kind of a theoretical statement. It means trust in the God you have come to know. Jeremiah 9. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his wealth. Let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows knows and understands God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart. Could I ask a question? When is the last time you did something in your life with your whole heart? I mean, you were all in 125%. Can you think of something? Honestly now, guys, uh, when you got down on one knee and your hands were trembling and you had a ring in your hand and you said, uh, w w w w will you consider spending the rest of your life with me? 
were you all in really saying nothing nothing that I could imagine would ever bring us to a point where I would walk away from this commitment when is the last time you did anything with the entirety of who you are your heart your soul your mind your everything trust in the Lord with all your heart you see I've listed several scriptures there for you <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 6 the Shema love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul your mind your strength see what Solomon is saying is if you're going to experience this it's not a little in and a little out this is an all in because you're going to prove this to be true when you find yourself in situations where God is saying do you fully and completely trust me so that you will trust me with your everything in this trust in the Lord with all your heart what prevents me from trusting God with all my heart Am I afraid that it's not going to go the way I wish it would go? Have I not had enough past experiences where I've had the opportunity to trust and I pulled back away from it and I didn't try it and so I don't know for sure what God's going to do? What prevents me? What captures all my heart? Is there anything that fully captures all your heart and your mind? so that you are all in how do I assess the true condition and content of my heart really trust trust grows with experience trust in the Lord the one and only with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding there's where the rubber meets the road, right? We're Americans, most of us, all of us. And that means, among other things, that from the time you and I were little boys and little girls, you can do anything. Study hard in school. Listen well and learn. Work hard. The sky's the limit. You can accomplish anything. Learn to think. Learn to reason. Learn to make your own choices. Learn to be independent. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Live your life independent. You don't need anybody else. You can do it on your own. God made you strong. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Hmm. So what have you learned in your lifetime? We've all been there and we're all going to be there this week and maybe hundreds of times this year you're facing a situation and as you reason it through in your mind with all of your understanding your mind says I need to go this way Th then it moves down into your heart and emotionally you say that makes good sense but I'd really like to go this way and then you start saying God what do you say about this and you get into God's word and, and God seems to be saying this is the way that I have for you stand at the crossroads and look ask for the ancient way ask where the good path is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls but be honest now how many times but it makes more sense to go this way yeah but my emotions are drawing me this way 
And how many times have every one of us in this room ended up in a dark Chicago alley? We went the direction that we thought made really good sense. We followed our feelings, all the while knowing God was pointing that way. And when we got out here in that dark place, what did we do? God, how did you let me get out here? Yo, you paying attention? I need your help. Of course, this isn't my fault. Here's the ten people whose fault it is that caused me to... Right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't mean bury your head in the sand. It doesn't mean ignore the journey that you've been on in life and the lessons you've learned. What it does mean is when your understanding and God's clear direction come in conflict, go this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. You see, I've given you a couple of scriptures there. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Can I fully trust God and myself at the same time? Yes. When my heart is in sync with the heart of God. How do I balance trusting God and being responsible for myself? That's called obedience. That's called following His leading. That's called trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Next week we'll get into in all your ways acknowledge him so let's say it together would you say it with me our theme verse this year trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths is it true we're gonna have the opportunity to live it over and over and over again. And one of the things that I hope for 2015 is there's going to be lots of opportunity to share the stories with each other. I wonder if you would agree, my friends, that at the end of the day, when you and I assess how well we have lived our lives and what the legacy is that we have passed to our children and our grandchildren, how much of it hinges right there. So let's talk to him. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. You modeled for us what it looks like to trust in the Lord with all your heart. You taught us God's truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us God's word. Thank you, God, that you're inviting us to trust you and your self-proclaimed attributes, character. We can know God and we can trust you. Thank you that you are inviting us this morning to trust your truth, which is unchanging. I, the Lord, do not change, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Thank you, God, that you've invited us to trust your guidance and your deliverance and your promises and your purposes. Thank you that you invite us to know you by your names. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 910. 
Thank you that you have invited us to trust you with all our hearts, no holding back, all in. Thank you that you've given us minds to reason and think, hearts to feel, and wills to choose and decide. You've asked us to not lean on our own understanding when our understanding comes in conflict with your guidance, your truth. So what do you see, O oh God, that we're going to do with that? This expression of worship is a first step in walking out from this place to live. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Mm. We worship you.